When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Friday, November 5th, and this is Celtic Speed on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 433, featuring the voice of the Celtics and Hall of Famer Mike Gorman, is powered by betonline.ag and INSA. Go to betonline.ag today, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus, and go to INSA.com, that's I-N-S-A.com, Mention we sent you, get a t-shirt for a penny. Okay, uh, look, I, I don't entirely know how to handle this show anymore because I was prepared, welcome everyone, Celtics Beat, I, I was prepared to just, I mean, it was we were on track to blast this team this week. And then they go out and they do what they do in the first couple games of this road trip in Florida, most notably as we chat here last night in Miami, a comfortable win over at that point, the top team in the Eastern Conference and made them look absolutely terrible. So large part of what we're talking about today is what do we make of the current Boston Celtics here still relatively early in the year? I'm Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti is always here and a guy that we want to hear from much more than the two of us, the legend. Mike Gorman, a good friend of ours, good friend of this show, and of course you know him from uh, NBC Sports Boston, voice of the Celtics on television, and the many different uh, you know in, in, incarnations of, of NBC Sports Boston before it was branded as such, calling right. these games for a long, long time, and most recently over the summer, entering Springfield, a Hall of Famer. Do, do I say that, Mike? Do I call you a Hall of Famer? Do I say you are recognized by the Hall of Fame? Uh, to me, you're a Hall of Famer, but how do we recognize this? Mike, do you just say Mike? That's all. <laughs> well, That's congratulations. It. I know we've, we've texted and we've talked, you know, obviously since then anyway, but just to uh, do it over the air here, congrats. It's, it's so great. It's so cool. And, and hopefully if we have time before uh, we let you go here, I, you, you promised something during your hall of fame speech. You know, I, I got to watch it. It was great. It was awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. There were, there were two areas of your speech that obviously you were handcuffed for time and giving your speech as everybody yeah. is. And you said, you know, I wish I had more time for this or I, I would do this. So maybe here this can be your area to expand upon some of those stories you didn't have time for. Okay. Your call. I'm here for you. <laughs> well, we're and uh, we're we're thrilled you're here, obviously. I want to mention, too, I, I just got this in the mail this week. The uh, We've talked a lot about it on these airwaves for anyone watching. The Cedric Maxwell book is out. It's, ah, uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a real. I have not given a copy of that. I've given Max a hard time on that one. Well, you should give. I mean, you see the guy all the time. You should give him a hard time. People can pick it up on Amazon, uh, among other places. I'm sure if these walls could talk. Stories from the Boston Celtics sideline, locker room, and press box. Cedric Maxwell, Mike Eisenberg. I bring that up not only obviously in support of Max, but to ask when are you writing a book? Because I want to read that one too. 
Okay, you, you got a good weight. Don't worry. It'll come in time, maybe. Um, I, to be honest with you, if, if I were able to do exactly what I wanted to do, I'd write a fiction book. I would oh, take really? Every, yeah, I'd take all the characters that I've met in this business and uh, color them so only people in the business would know who I was really talking about. And then so I it, would, would, uh, it would still be about the business then? It wouldn't be, you know... Probably, you be yeah. Writing something you ever read any of uh, the Simon Bolivar stuff with uh, Holland Coben has written? Holland Coben is a very good mystery writer. And he mm-hmm. has a whole series of books about this player who broke his leg uh, after he got drafted number one by the Celtics and becomes a private detective. And it's no, all basketball. Yeah, it's all basketball. Related. But you'd love it. It's basketball. Related. You read the first one and you'll read the next seven in a row without the problem. It's just that he's a great character. It all keeps going back to basketball and t- tied around sports. Most of the things he gets involved with are athletes who get in trouble. Um, it's really a good series of books. Yeah, let's check that out. That sounds yeah. pretty good. Alan Coben. So, what number season is this for you on on the call for Celtics broadcast? Forty one. Forty one. Yeah. How old are you? I'm. Uh, well, I'm. I'm. I'm young enough to have been around for all of it. Uh, I'm. Oh, okay. I'm, uh, I'm approaching forty, which is. Just to say that out loud, Mike. Yeah, it's the daylight out of you, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now, now that I'm acknowledging it, yeah, I, I suppose it does. Just a um, number, Adam. Don't worry about it. But yeah, it's it's why you can't retire, Mike. It's because I mean, you are like it. It's same, obviously, with the the late great Jerry Remy, who obviously just passed, and you know, so, so many influential voices Bob over Dubire. the course of time. Yeah, of course, but yeah. but with regard to you know, and of course, Bob did Bruins games boy back in the day for sure. a for a short mm-hmm. time there. But you know, someone like you, who is, I mean, you have literally been you know the the soundtrack of Celtics basketball for me for my entire life so i i i i mean when people have filled in for you in the past it just sounds weird i don't like it thanks keep that feeling that's good i like that. <laughs> i am keeping that i don't want you to go anywhere so don't don't leave us <laughs> no i'm not going anywhere for a while so we'll right. hang in here good happens. What do you make of this season so far? What has this been like to watch for you compared to in part compared to expectations coming in versus you know the reality of this 8 9 game sample um, that they they need time. That we need uh, probably another fifteen or twenty games before we can make any serious judgments as to whether the coach is working out, as to whether or not the players are indeed listening to the coach. Um, uh, I think that's going to take a while longer than they had anticipated it would, but that's just the way things kind of go. Um, but witness this road trip. I mean, they you know in the first half they're life and death against Orlando, maybe one of the worst, the worst team in the league, if not one of the bottom two or three. And then last night in what was as unlikely a game as I can recall ever doing that they just jumped out in front of Miami and never let Miami out. They knocked them down the first quarter and kept them on the mat the whole time, which I didn't think they were capable of doing. Um, you know, here was a team in Miami that came in best record in basketball, uh, number number one or number two in just about every stat that you could find. Um, last five wins in a row, last five, they had won by double digits each game. And you figure, oh, the South is going to be cannon fodder here. And instead, what turns out to be one of their better performances where I think Jalen left the game with 17 points, maybe, and um, Jason had a miserable night, and yet here they are beating the best team in basketball by 20. That is something I hope will sink in with both those guys and maybe speeding up a little bit more of what Marcus Smart was looking for the other night. There are obviously a few things to get into there just based on what you just mentioned, <laughs> but let's let's start with the head coach, Ime Odoka, because, you know, I again, sort of the tone of, of this show I feel like has changed off of the Miami win and, and maybe in part just – 
not beating Orlando, like you said, bad team, but the way they played against the Magic. This is, you know, for the first seven games of the year, Mike, you know, Ime and, and look, I've never met Ime. I'm sure he's a great guy. This has nothing to do with Ime personally. We're talking about him specifically, purely as a head coach. You know, sure. the way he has aired guys out in public early on, the way that he has, you know, talked about some of his mm-hmm. players, the way he wants to do things, but then you watch and whether it's the rotations, you know, questionable at times, the, the schemes on both ends of the floor, questionable at times. It just, he has looked like a guy who is in over his head, who, who doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily look like, you know, the, the right pick, the right guy for the job. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wonder, I'm, I'm not, you know, coming out and saying like, Fire Eme. This was this was a bad hire flat out because uh, to your point before, I think it's just too early for you know for mm-hmm. for you know grand deliberations and everything. But yeah. but I I do wonder. You know, there are some obvious question marks early on. How much of that to you is we got to give it more time versus I don't necessarily like what I'm seeing here. Well, I, I see. I have to. I would go back to Popovich, uh, who came out and said this guy is ready to be a head coach. Um, Doc Rivers, all these guys he has worked for have all come out very much in support of his abilities to become a head coach. So, number one, I would listen to those guys. And I think those guys, uh, A, know what they're talking about, and B, deserve more than about six or seven games um, in terms of making a judgment, as I, you and I talked a little bit earlier. But I would say 20 to 30 games would be the time that maybe you can start taking a serious look at what the team is doing or isn't doing. As far as whether or not they have tuned him out. I mean, I think that's kind of ludicrous. They, they haven't had time to get to know him. How can they tune him out? They really don't know what he really wants mm-hmm. to do yet. They don't know. They have all the new assistants. It's not as if all of Brad's assistants stayed, just the head coach come in. Yeah, I, I don't know half the guys they looked up there and see on there now. So um, I think that whole meshing of, of coaches and personnel takes time. And um, can he afford to get the time? Can he stay around the 500 mark maybe a little better um, while that probably gets them on his page? Uh, we're going to find that out. But, um, you know, I, I think one thing that Celtic fans have to realize, and I'll probably get in trouble for this one, but, you know, this team is not a great team. Let's be honest here. This is, it's a good team, but it's not a great team. And there are a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that if you look at the rosters, that they're better. Uh, when they beat last night, obviously, over a series, if the uh, playoff series started tomorrow between Miami and Boston, Miami would be a two to one favorite easy. Uh, to win that. So, I, I mean, you look at Miami, you look at uh, the Nets, even without Kyrie, you look at Milwaukee, you look at um, just go on and on and you find, well, uh, Tibbs has got the Knicks playing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Washington, but they keep winning games. Uh, Toronto is not as bad as people make them out to be. And when Siakam gets back, they may be one of the surprise teams in the East. So I just think Boston's got their hands full and I, I hope fans don't get too far down the road in terms of an expectation and therefore put more pressure on not only uh, the coach himself, but the relationship the coach may be having with players. Um, that should stay in the locker room from now. That, that, that doesn't need to be in public. I mean, we have enough stuff to chew on without going after that. Right. I don't think anybody looked at the Celtics, Mike, as, as a championship contender coming into the season. I think people have been, no. you know, measured enough in that way. But there are a lot of people. We took a, talk about, you know, odds our friends bet online on this show all the time. People looked at yeah. this team. Some of them had them as, you know, a, a 50-ish win team. Absolutely. And and I know that's still attainable. It's, again, like season's not over. They haven't played 10 games. But based on the moves that were made in the offseason, their talent, their depth, their makeup, their, you know, the some of the weeding out some of the youngsters getting more vets in there all of it shouldn't they be a better team than what we've seen so far it should be more consistent maybe we would hope for than that we were seeing so far i don't know how much we need to say do they need to be better um i mean what are they now three and five four and five now 
four and five now. Okay, so you're you're a game off of five hundred. Um, they got a potential game they can steal tomorrow night against uh, uh, Dallas, who has not been playing very well and got dusted by Miami the other night. So, um, I mean, if they come back on this road trip three and zero, is all is everything good again? I mean, we you know buying tickets. If they can never win a game at the Garden, maybe. Yeah, well, maybe yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't. Um, again, I, I think this whole process is going to take time, and 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 uh, even if everybody's healthy and even if everybody's on the same page. If you would tell me how do you define a success for this basketball team, I would say getting a home court, getting a court advantage, home court advantage, first round of playoffs. Um, that would be a huge W for this team if they could get that far. I don't think they can because not because of anything against them. I just think there are better teams, better rosters that uh, you know, Kyrie ever comes back in. in uh, I want to say New Jersey all the time. If he ever comes back in Brooklyn, yeah. um, that'll be a very interesting situation. But. Um, again, eliminate them. They're going to they're be a factor even if he doesn't come back. And, uh, there's a, again, Milwaukee is the defending champion. I mean, you get a Chicago Bulls were a better team than they were last year. Billy Donovan's mm-hmm. doing a solid job there. They got some good players. They made some good offseason moves. Um, so, again, I think the whole East Conference is bunched up pretty good. And if we had the Celtics end up finishing in that, that time is going to tell. And is it going to be the coach who's eventually going to have them all carrying him off the court in the shoulders or they throw in tomatoes at him as he goes to lock him. I don't know, but um, we need to give this guy time. I, I can see from where I sit that uh, there was a need for a disciplinarian number one on this team and we need to get tougher. Even still, I hope Brad is listening because we need to get tougher. We got to get some guys who come in here who are a little bit of, I won't use the expression I want to use, but we just need some tough guys in here. Uh, every other team I go, I see Tucker Sutton last night from Miami. Um, you know, he, he's just a tough dude. I mean, he's been hanging around the league for 10 years. Why? Because he'll just go in. He doesn't care who's in front of me, six, five, 250 pounds, but more like a tight end than he is necessarily <laughs> a football player. Um, but that's the kind of guy I don't see on the Celtic roster that I would love to see in the Celtic roster. I'd also like to see Neesmith get more minutes too right now. Not 10 games now, right now. Do you know how many years he may got on his deal, by the way, for all the people no. out there already calling for him to be fired? No. How many get, you know? I don't. I, I don't. I mean, I'm guessing three to five. I just think that any any new head coach, rookie or otherwise, you know, that, that seems yeah. to be the window of, of deal they get. You know, Brad was yeah. an exception. He got six. They really wanted him, pulled him out of Butler in a great situation. But he may, I would guess, probably three to five. Yeah, my, that would be my guess, too. Um, and even in terms of money, I don't know how much he would get in terms of uh, – what we're looking at for salary at four or five yeah, and I don't I don't even care about the money. It's more about, you know, I, I think people want to know, all right, how many years is this guy here? I think that's, yeah, what, well, that's what people yeah, but he, he, I mean, you and I both know people, he'll get fired if they don't want him round. I mean, it, it won't matter how many years he has in the contract. It's not like the yeah. Celtics ownership is going to sit there and lose because they don't want to spend money. That's never, right. they've never shown that to be a part of their makeup. Um, and, you know, I, I have pretty good relationships with Wick and with Steve Paliuka and, and we, we talk and, um, you know, they're patient right now. Um, they believe in what he's doing. They believe in him. Uh, if you were to, I don't know if you had a chance. I mean, the guy that we interview on those interviews before the game mm-hmm. uh, or Abby gets after the game is not the same guy that is there as soon as the interview is over. I think he's still learning how to deal with the press. And I think he's taken the, the position of, I'll give you a straight answer. You ask me a straight question, I'll give you a straight answer. There's no tap dancing going on. Um, so, but as soon as that's over, there's a smile on this guy's face when I see him most of the time. And, um, he, and he becomes that former player. And I think, I think that's a real key. That was not Brad's fault. My imagination, he didn't pro, play pro basketball, but I think having a former player as a coach was a major criteria for the Celtics going into this. And as you look around the league, 
you see an awful lot of guys who were down the end of some NBA roster who then became the video guy, who then became the third assistant, who then moved up a row and sat beside the head coach, and are now head coaches, and they're all former players. That's the way the league's going. Yeah. Have I been rambling on? I'll let you go. Well, I mean, you know, look at Spolstra starts as a video assistant guy and is, I mean, what, top three coach in the league? He's absolutely easy. Easy top three. Yeah. Yeah, He's, 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 you know, a cream of the crop for me and it has been for a very long time in the LeBron stuff. You know, when they had the big three kind of masked how, how brilliant Mm -hmm. that he is. And Mm -hmm. you go back to the bubble where they had, they played zone against the Celtics and they had, you know, uh, Jones, the Derek Jones, the top of the key to make the entry pass. I mean, it was like, wow, okay, this guy's this guy's next yeah. level. I, I love I love his brain. Um, but we've we've talked a little bit about airing guys out publicly and and, and some of the stuff that has happened. Eme has done that, you know, uh, as a disciplinarian throughout the season so far. And then you have the Marcus Smart comments from the other night. Um, you know, whether he was right or wrong in terms of what he said is one thing. But airing it out publicly and, 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 and giving that, you know, uh, carrot to the media, so to speak, not the best thing to do this early on in the season. Then there's a, a, a dinner meeting or a, a player's like, – there's all this stuff that stems out after that. Perfect, and, perfect. Yeah. yeah, so as, as we sit here, you know, nine games into the season, is the fact that we have all these uh, – you know, the, the, the public bashing of some guys, whether it's – not bashing, but, you know, calling guys out for being, you know, complaining to the refs or whatever – whether it's Ime, Smart talking about, you know, the ball movement, the the players only like only meeting. Is this too much noise already this early into the season, Mike? Do you is or is this something that has to happen organically? Maybe these guys with a new group, with new assistant coaches, new coaches, new players, maybe they need this sort of uh, uh of uh of a way to come together. I, I'm not quite sure how I feel about all of this stuff. I, I don't really take it well, but maybe this is the way this team needs to gel to move forward here. I don't know. Uh, let me let me ask both of you guys a question. What, what Marcus Smart said was he right? Is he right on, or is he foolish? Oh, I think it was I exactly think right. I just think saying it publicly, and I mean, we love it because we as content creators, baby, whatever, like, yeah, it's it's content exactly. But uh, you know, I I for I I don't think saying it publicly was in his best interest or the team's best interest. But what he said, I absolutely think was right. Do you? And how how long do you think that was a problem? Was that a problem last year too? Yeah, I think it's been a problem for, I, look, I've said this, I don't know how many times on the show, Mike, I, I don't know if we've talked about it, but I'd be curious to your thoughts. I think in, in many ways, you know, sort of the best and worst thing to happen to some of Boston's younger players, and in particular, I'm talking about its all-stars, was that run that it went on when Irving and Hayward went down, going all the way to game seven of the East finals, because, mm-hmm. you know, while it sped up development and, and experience and, and, you know, confidence and, and things mm-hmm. like that, in a lot of different ways, which again is a positive. I think it also sped up, you know, things like ego and what we're capable of and, and what we should be doing and who we need around mm-hmm. us. And this is going to be our team, our time, our scene, all of that. I, mm-hmm. I think they're, you know, and we're still sort of dealing with, with the fallout of that in some ways. And, and so to your point, like what Marcus was talking about, this goes back years. I think it does. And, and, and I don't think Marcus was really out of place doing it. Um, I, I think you sometimes, I understand that argument about keeping it in the locker room and not the public airing of it all, but um, why not get it out there? Why not just get this straight and move on? I mean, if we don't, if we keep hiding it, if we keep saying, well, it's really not going on or it's only going on in the locker room, but because they come out to the ramp and everybody's happy and loves everybody else. And um, I, I don't, uh, I, see, I, I've never been a fan of that stuff. I don't want to see, Bradley Beal and, 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 and Jason Tatum hugging at half court before the game. I don't want to see yeah. that. I mean, if you guys want to be pals, terrific, but be pals off the court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give at least some semblance that this is a competition and not a picnic. Okay. Yep. And, and that is the problem that I see 
with with keeping that stuff in the locker room. So uh, I think you know I've always been a Marcus Smart guy. I think I think Marcus Smart is you have to have a Marcus Smart on your team if you're going to be any good. Um, and uh, so when he comes out with that timing, yeah, I probably could have picked some time better than necessarily right then. But but why not? Why not deal with this? I mean, if he had come out and said, you know. Neesmith's got to be a starter or something that was off the wall or something crazy. You know, you go like, Marcus, sit down. But what he said was like, hey, you guys need to pass the ball a little bit more. And they do. Come on. I mean, I think he – I'm, I'm – the Tatum ISO stuff's getting a little tiring already. I, it, and and it, it just feels forced. Um, mm-hmm. it, does, it just feels like everybody – you know, you freeze a whole t- – you know, the game of basketball is the best when the ball's constantly moving. Everybody touches the basketball. I mean, you go back to, mm-hmm. to Bill Russell playing Wilt Chamberlain. It, one of the things that Bill used to do was let Wilt score in the first three quarters and then lock down in the fourth because he's touched the ball so much. Nobody else has touched it. So if he passes it, nobody else is going to score because they haven't shot in, in two hours. So, yeah. you know, getting the, keeping the ball moving, keeping the defense honest is the best way to win basketball games. And again, I love Jason Tatum and I love the fact that he can score one on one with the best of them. But at, it's you don't have to call your number every play in games where Jalen Brown is on fire and he's got 28 points heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, he should probably touch the basketball more than one or two times, you know, every five or six minutes. He's and Jalen's been their best player this whole this, so far. Him and Al and Al, I don't know where Al found somewhere. My goodness, the TV 12 method. That's it's, what it is. You know, yeah. It, when in in you know a lot of those guys, you know Al is a is a really excellent team player. I mean Rob makes some unbelievable passes for a guy that size and a guy has mm-hmm. you know a guy that makes questionable decisions sometimes on the, on the defensive end. But when the ball moves, everybody's involved, everybody's active, uh, and, and everybody you know it, it it raises the 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 energy level of the team. When you when you have one person isoing everybody out and everybody's sitting around, like yeah, it's boring. Basketball's not fun. And basketball needs to be fun and has to be energetic. You're not going to beat teams just with talent. You have to beat them with energy and hustle. And it can't just be Aaron Neesmith every game. Yeah, or flying across the lane like you did last night. That was a great – I want to see that piece of clip over and over again. But to, to, to come back to what you're saying there, and I want to defend – and I want somebody to listen out there to say I don't do this. I want to defend Jason. I want to defend Jalen. Both of these guys are exceptional basketball ta- talents, no question about it. They're exceptional offensive basketball talents. From the time these guys were about 12 or 13 years old and playing AAU basketball, people have been saying, you're the man, you're the man, you're our scorer. Go get this, go get that. No one is saying, go out there and play defense. They're not being told that. They're not being taught that. No one's saying Jason passed the ball when he's 16 years old. They're saying, Jason, you shoot the ball every time up the court because you're the guy. Jalen, you shoot the ball every time up the court because you're the guy. That's how these guys came along. If they did pay some time to defense or trying to learn defense, learning how to pass, more power to them. But I don't think they did. I think their whole emphasis to this point is to be the shooter, which is why when they come out last year, it really becomes obvious that they'd be playing one-on-one basketball. It was a situation where they're just doing what they told they were supposed to do. They're playing like they learned how to play. Uh, Marcus Smart learned how to play on the defensive end. He'd be the first one to tell you. That's what he concentrated his efforts on when he was like at Oklahoma State and probably even before that. These two guys have been offensive players their whole life. They suddenly expect them now to be Bob Cousy and marking up all these assists. It's just is not going to happen. It's going to take a lot of time. And I watched some, especially with the – with, with Jason, I thought in last night's game, I mean, he was really trying to pass the ball. He was always, he, every catch he got, he was looking to try to find somebody who might be open. Now, maybe he looked quickly and then went into his one-on-one, but at least he's looking. 
And that's what I think. And people made a lot of what Marcus said the other day, and they left out half of it, which was we are working on this in practice all the time. We are trying to get these guys to understand that they can be better passers and do that. Um, I, I think, you know what I think, if I were the king of the forest here, I would mm. really like to get a true point guard, a mm. real pass-first point guard, and put him with the lineup that's out there. Now, you'd need to play six guys. <laughs> that's probably a problem. <laughs> I don't know who you sit down and move this guy in. And Schroeder may be the guy, may not be the guy. Sometimes I think he is, sometimes I think he's not. But I think we need a really passing point guard. Say Marcus you want, a, you want a Rondo, basically. Well, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I want Steve Nash. I want to, I can go down a long list of guys that I want. I don't want to copy Irving. Um, but, but I do, um, there are a lot of guys around the league that maybe you could somehow figure a way to get, um, who could come in and it'd be pass first point guards. Um, that would help this team a lot. Take a lot of pressure off Marcus. It would take a lot of pressure, I think, off all the guys who think they have to pass. If you had a ringleader who you knew that's what he wanted to do when he came up the court, he wasn't trying to get a shot first, which is what some guys do on this team. Let's take one quick break just to say this show is powered in part by our friends at betonline.ag. We're back. We're better than ever. A new web interface for the start of, of course, basketball, which is, like we said, a few weeks in at this point. More props, odds, lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action throughout this season and beyond. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, just use our promo code. That, as always, is CLNS50. Again, CLNS50 to receive that bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, uh, you know, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for you throughout 2021 on to 2022. It's right around the corner. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and uh, bet online, of course, where the game starts. Uh, real quick before we move on from that as well, Evan, anything we need to lock in for this uh, this weekend, the NFL? Well, I, last week was a tough week. I, it was the worst beat of my life. I want to thank AJ Green for not turning around. Um, that was that was a tough <laughs> that was a tough one. I just want to point out the Cowboys are seven zero against the spread this year. Just going to throw it out there. They're minus sure. ten against the Broncos. They're very good. Just throwing that out there. Um, Texans get Tyrod Taylor back. They're plus five and a half. Um, I don't hate that because I don't think Miami's really that great. Um, and then I go down, Bengals, a get-right game, minus one against the Browns. They lost the Jets last week. They have to turn it around. Patriots. Patriots I love, minus three and a half. I do. I, I love Mac Jones. I'm just going to tell you right now, I've been a huge Mac Jones fan. Um, the Before he was drafted, I, I, I did some research on why people thought he should go three. I figured out why the the, the brain is – is excellent. And I don't think people really evaluate that well enough to a guy that can see the field and process things quickly is not a skill people value highly enough. And the Patriots got another good one. I don't know how they do it, but they just went from Brady to this guy and it just seems to work every year. So I'm, I'm thrilled. And three and a half, I think is fine. I would take the pass. He looks like he's about 15. I know. <laughs> and he's got, a, yeah, he's got my body type. So this is perfect. I know. For me. They were talking Crazy. to him so much about Halloween Crazy. candy and, you know, your favorites. Like, he looked like a guy who was about to go out trick-or-treating. <laughs> exactly. He did. I love it. I love it. For guys like me, you know, uh, uh, with that body type, you can be an, you can be an athlete, pro athlete. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the iconic photo of him with the cigar and just Amazing. the gut hanging out. 
Uh, yeah, hopefully he's gotten into a little bit better, uh, you know, NFL shape. I'm sure he has since that season started. Let's keep going, Mike, with uh, with Tatum and Brown a little bit here because, uh, you know, you know how all this works. You've been part of all these conversations on the radio and your personal life. You know, it's the, you know, can the, the can these two coexist? Are they the right fit for each other? Are they close enough friends? I don't care. One, I think evidence has shown, certainly they've talked about it, but they're they're close enough friends are they the best friends in the world no they don't need to be that's fine I don't care about that they get along just fine on and off the floor but when it comes to basketball fit you know you have seen some of I mean really all of the uh all-time great teams over the last you know damn near 50 years and in Boston you've you've obviously seen um you know up close some great all-time teams never mind Mm -hmm. just the ones that you see a couple times a year they come in from around the league in Boston you have you know calling 80 games a year for for some of the greatest players in the history of the NBA and we know it because we just got the NBA 75 list a few weeks back so you know what great players look like not only individually but together you talked about Tatum and Brown as individuals you've watched them now for for almost a handful of years now together does it click to you does it fit is this is this the the right group, you know, not not just the right group in totality, but those two guys being heads of the snake? Are are they the right fit with each other for what this team wants to achieve? Um, there'll have to be some changes made. I think they can't really play the way they played to this point. Um, I, again, I think both of them are probably willing to do it. Um, and I think they need to show it. There are going to be some rough times for maybe 10, 15, 20 games as they go through this process of trying to think pass first as opposed to think shot first which both of them have been brought up and told that's how I play the game. Um, can they exist on the same team together? Sure. Well, I don't see why they can't, but I don't know if they can exist playing the way they both play right now. Uh, I wouldn't say right now that they have. I, I, I believe, and I hope I'm not fooling myself, but I believe I am seeing effort made, genuine effort made by both of them to try to do what people, namely the coaches, are telling them they need to do for the team to win. So um, there are going to be some bumpy moments in there. Um, there are going to be some box scores you pick up with a turnover. You go, yeah, but he had seven or eight turnovers. Well, he got those seven turnovers trying to make a pass, and I'll live with that for a while. Um, so um, can they coexist? Yes. Will they coexist? That's really up to them. I don't think that's up to me, and it's not really up to the coach. I mean, I think both of these guys, they're two very different kids. Um, you know, Jalen is is on, on a march somewhere when uh, he's not here. Uh, mm-hmm. Jason's playing with his son in the backyard. Um, they're just different guys and different points in their life. So, uh, but they don't need to be friends. I mean, Tommy used to, used to have a lot of friends sometimes with rosters on the Celtics. He didn't care. Um, you out and you play. And as long as you play together as a unit, that's all that really matters. Who sits beside whom on the bus? That's really not important. Um, so uh, again, is, is, can they play together? Yes. Will they play together? I hope so. How long is it going to take? A while. Like 15, I, I to, to make any judgment on that experiment and or to make any judgment on, on, whether or not the coach should be the coach or not. Um, come on, give him 30, 40 games. Give him half a season to see whether he can do that. Uh, you give them half a season without every day hearing Mike Gorman or Gary Washburn or whoever say, well, this isn't working out. This guy's going to yeah. go. It's going to change. Um, every time I see Gary stand up at a press conference, I'm like, oh, gosh, here, you go. <laughs> here <You know>? it comes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hand grenade. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how this all plays out. Is the media going to be patient? Is the media going to be a yo-yo, like, you know, bad uh, down on this team last week after the Chicago loss? Now all of a sudden it's like, hey, a three-game road trip. We might go 3-0 and on, come back home, win a game. God, you had a four-game winning streak. I was like, all is right with the world, right? Um, we'll see. 
We'll see if the team that was capable of beating the best team in basketball last night is capable of being life and death right now with the worst team in basketball, which they were for part of the Orlando game. So the Orlando just broke down because they're so bad. Um, so we'll see, but be, all, all I would say to Patriots fans is Patriots fans, the Celtic fans is just be, be patient. Patriots be, be, fans do though. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But they've played themselves back into potential playoff team now. That's true. true. So with last night, with that game in Miami, and I don't want to magnify any one game, you know, good or bad. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to make more of last night's success in Miami, uh, or or more of the blow point lead against Chicago. Exactly. But you know, with what we, what was at least encouraging from that game, and obviously you, you know, were were watching it in closer detail than anybody else calling the game, is they just seemed to play whether it was. Tatum's success off the ball, whether or not he's going, you know, going forward, a guy who is willing to play off the ball because there, there seems to be a lot of resistance there. But he, when, when he was doing it, played really, really well, whether it was the, you know, the team defensively uh, attacking screens or, or getting around screens, getting under screens, a lot of the way it just seemed like they were playing a smarter brand of basketball throughout last mm-hmm. night at which, you know, yeah, they won and they beat a great team, but, but that's not even what, what what I'm necessarily obsessed with, what what I'm excited about is just the way they played regardless of the opponent because it applies to that second half against Orlando as well, which is a far inferior team to Miami. The way mm-hmm. they've played the last six quarters is really encouraging going forward. I think it is. I think it's very encouraging. I think uh, one thing you didn't mention is that Jason Tatum at the time had zero points, I think, going into the fourth quarter. And, and Jalen Brown was in the locker room, wasn't going to play again. Yep. And the guys who were left out there basically just pulled away. Um, and I, I think that's where the confidence level is going to come. When they come to shoot around today or whatever, it won't be necessarily Jalen and um, Jason. It'll be the focus of attention. It'll be the other guys. It'll be Neesmith. It's people saying the, the articles that are going to come out and talk on the radio once you and I get out of here is going to be like, you know, who's it, who Neesmith? Whose minutes is he going to get? He's got to play. He showed us last night. He's got to play. Whatever happened to Pritchett? Whatever, yeah, I know. Whatever happened to Pritchett? Uh, well, Richardson, I, I got no problem. Richardson plays both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he does defend and, and somehow what was certain lineups the Celtics have had out there, that's, he's the only guy defending unless Marcus is out there with him. So, um, they need to, um, they need to get pumped up. And since these, these bench guys who have been used to the fact that this is the Jay's team, now they might be saying to themselves, but maybe it's not quite this. Maybe it's a small J instead of a capital J. Um, mm-hmm. maybe this, it's our team too. And if that can be the case, then I think things can go right for this team for a while. Cause um, I always forget how many bad teams there are in the NBA. The season begins and I'm saying like, Hey, Chicago, hey, good teams. this is in Detroit. And then, then I look at the Pistons like, Oh my gosh, these guys are hard. Um, you know, the, the, the Nets, I think are pretty bad without Kyrie, uh, even though their record is pretty good. I don't know how long that kid's going to last holding up the whole of Brooklyn there. Um, so I, I, there's, there's a lot of around the league. There's a lot of chances for wins, chances to look good. Um, Celtics have been one of those coming up against Dallas. Dallas right now is kind of confused. Doncic's numbers are way down. Uh, he's not getting the same cost. Scal has been right on with his observation that he keeps pushing about how this, this has become a much more physical game and referees are letting it happen. We had a great graphic. I don't know if you caught it last night of all the leading scorers in the league from last year and what they're doing now. Everybody down. Everybody's way down shooting percentage, way down in terms of average points per game. And it's because the whistles are not being blown. Uh, much to the dismay of Jason, much to the dismay of a lot of guys, but that's the way it goes. And the sooner he realizes, like, hey, turn around, run up the court, just run up the court and go on with your business, um, the better off we'll all be. Um, because I thought that was that was a bad part of that Celtic team last year. There were too many whiners on the team. 
Um, you, you need to, we need guys on the team who just act like they've been there before. And that's why I kind of like Richardson. Richardson's all business out there. He's not trying to, uh, intimidate anybody, but he plays both ends of the floor. He'll be back. He had a toe problem. They said maybe it's one of those turf toe things that last forever. I don't know, but, mm. um, that gave Neesmith a chance to play and it gave the coach something to think about now as to what he's going to do with, with Neesmith because, uh, that kid, um, it's funny. I, I for so long lived on the Jay Billis definition that this was a great shooter. You know, I, I don't know who I expected, but I expected a shooter. Instead, I get this really athletic guy diving all over the place, leveling people with cross body blocks to try to get to the ball, uh, who can also shoot. But shooting became secondary. That's, I want Neesmith on the floor for what he does on the defensive end of the floor. I'm not trying to go run to the corner and stay there and then come back up and play defense next time. Um, I want to see him on that end of the floor because I think he helps this team. And we get, you know, I said, uh, first time I said we, the Celtics have to, um, have to definitely win games on the defensive end of the floor. They can't outscore people. If they try to do that, we're in for a long season. Yeah. The defense has been, you know, look, they have a new strategy and that's been obviously, uh, something that's going to take some time to get used to. That's one of the things that I keep harping on with, with people that want to chirp about defense. I'm like, well, they install a whole new system and they're trying to figure out how it works. You can see uh, everyone, you know, the, when the brain farts happen, it's pretty easy to see everybody looking around each other being, like, ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's going to take some time to communicate a little bit, but the one thing you mentioned, um, you know, defense, the transition defense to me is what's, what's really killer. Like I, I, I and, and that just can't be acceptable. The, the, the fact that you can get beat. I mean, they got beat down the floor off a rebound, off a missed free throw. It's like that's that stuff or off a made free throw. That stuff can't happen. I mean, it just that can't happen. You can't get beat down the floor. Uh, the entire, and, that, and that comes with, you know, just energy and, and just getting back and, and trying to set your defense right away. And the one thing I love about Neesmith is, again, it gives you hustle for what, however long is on the floor. Like last night, the clip I think has gone around a little bit. Neesmith got the rebound had the outlet pass, and then somehow got the offensive rebound and the putback, like, in, in the same play. And it's like, in there's two Celtics and four Heat guys down there, and somehow Aaron Neesmith, the guy that ended up with the outlet pass, uh, ends yeah. up, uh, you know, securing the rebound and getting the finish. So it, if they can just find some more – I don't know if it's find more hustle. I'm, not, I'm trying to get, find a way to put it, but it's just like this team just needs sometimes a little kick in the ass more than anything else. And, and, and not always having – what's up? That always helps. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and sometimes I think, you know, where does that come from? Is that, you know, Smart's a guy, obviously, it's not afraid to kick anybody in the ass, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, Al's more of a, 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 a quiet leader, but maybe, you know, that's a guy that needs to, to have more of a, a voice in the locker. I mean, they don't, they have vets, but not mm-hmm. guys that have had a ton of like uh, success uh, elsewhere. Like they bring in, you know, uh, Richardson, who's a, a fine player. Like, don't get me wrong. Was great yeah. in Miami, had some troubles other places. I mean, it's not like he's been in the NBA finals or anything. Yeah. Uh, it, so it's, it's not like they, they need to find, I think at the end of the day, Mike, they need to figure out what their identity is. And I think I agree with you. It's easier for this team to buy into a defensive identity and, and lock into that because of a, the, the power structure they have in place. I mean, Ema is yep. a defensive head coach. You know, Will Hardy is a guy that is lauded by a lot of people for many different things. Um, but defensively is a guy that has, has uh, a good brain. Uh, Brad mm-hmm. Stevens teams were always well coached in the defensive end with the exception of last year, which I, we don't know what happened. Um, they have a bunch of defensive players on this team and the sooner they buy into that identity, Mike, I think the, mm-hmm. the sooner this thing turns around. Am I wrong on that? No, I don't think you are. And to, and to actually support your, your point. Um, and I would, my mom has used that expression. I bet you dollars to donuts that in that scouting report that Miami had, 
said, throw the home run pass. These guys won't get back on defense. I have, can't recall watching a basketball game where I saw a team throw so many long passes to try to get an easy score. Um, and so it had to be in that scouting report. Hey, these guys won't get back on defense. You go right over the top of them with the ball and you can get layups out of it. And Miami you know, had five or six opportunities where they took the ball inbounds and Kyle Lowry thought he was Tom Brady back there. He's just throwing full court passes, trying to hit guys uh, underneath the other basket. So um, I think the Celtics will be aware of that. I'm sure they get pointed out to him. Um, but you're right. It, 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 I, there's a, a team right now that's close to 500. They necessarily need a turnaround. I don't know whether they do or not, but what they need to do is get better defensively. And, and they won't be good until that happens. We'll let you get out of here in a couple of minutes. But uh, just, again, I mentioned off the top of the show, Mike, going back to the Hall of Fame induction, which, again, mm-hmm. just such a great honor, the uh, Kurt Gowdy Award. And um, I, I should have gone back to rewatch it right before our interview because I watched the speech, you know, that night. You know, it was a couple months back, obviously. But I'm there were two areas in particular where you said, you know, I, I wish I had more time. I, you know, I could tell you a story. If I remember right, one of them had to do with maybe how your your daughter and son in law met. I think was yeah. was one of them. And then yeah. there was another one that related, obviously, to broadcasting. Maybe it was Tommy. I, I don't recall what. Uh, uh, I don't know what, what speeches did or part of your speech did you run out of time for that maybe you could share with us a little bit? I was just ready to get going. That was the beginning. I could have gone another 20 minutes easy. Up there. <laughs> uh, this is true now. I mean, this sounds like something out of a uh, Chip Hilton book, but um, this is really true. I went to see, uh, I stopped the speech getting in to see Gil Santos, which is what I did. And I get in, I sat down, I talked to Gil for about maybe 15 minutes at, at most. And and he just sat there smiling and listening to what I wanted to do, what I thought I could do. And he would pick up the phone and he called and he, and he, he tells this guy on the phone, he goes, yeah, I, I got this guy sitting in front of me. Yeah, you'd love him, Paul. Armed Forces Radio and TV, kind of experience, really good. It fit perfectly with you. Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, I'll have send him down. Bye. Hangs up the phone. He says, he scribbles down an address in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Puts his name, Paul Levesque. He says, go see Paul Levesque at this station. He'll talk to you about potentially giving you a job. I said, when? He said, now. He's waiting for you. I go out, <laughs> I go out here in my car. I drive down there. I go out to lunch with this guy. We have about two or three beers over lunch. He's about my age, so it appears. Um, and he said, do you play softball? And I said, yeah. He said, are you any good? I said, oh, yeah, I'm real good. And I was in that day. Um, and so he said, we're playing against the other station in town tonight, big charity game. About 1,500 people show up. We've been getting our ass kicked every year. We always lose. So will you play for us tonight? I said, sure. So I, I played, we won like 15 to 12 and had eight RBIs. I had two home runs. I mean, this was, these, <laughs> I was, I was way above these guys. I played You're for the ringer. Navy. Well, I was the ringer, the original ringer. Yeah. Um, cause I had played for a Navy team that used to tour the South playing fast pace softball. I was the third baseman on that team. So we were, I was used to really good competition, not uh, some lady lobbing it up cause she's the secretary. Um, so, um, <laughs> anyway, we're standing at, this is true story. We're standing at home plate and I see this guy coming towards us. And I'm talking to Paul and this guy from about 10 feet away goes, Paul, I, I thought we said no ringers. I thought everybody had to really work for the station to play. What about this guy? Who's this guy? And he goes, Oh, this is a, you don't know, hey, I mean, he's a public affairs director. He's been with us for about a month now. <laughs> My job. So I'm in, I get the job as public affairs director, which Paul just made up in the moment. He didn't even know what a public affairs director was. Um, but I get in and I got to do everything, which is, which key it was better than going to grad school. I got to, I was my own engineer doing radios, doing remotes. Paul said to me, you can, you sell it and we'll put it on the air. I would do New Bedford high school basketball. I would do football games, boxing from Worcester um, auditorium. Uh, I did the finals of the New Bedford country club golf championship. We did all these different things I had to do myself. I sold it. I wrote the copy. 
I did everything. <laughs> One of my favorite stories about that is, as you know, in boxing, the 60 seconds between each round. Mm-hmm. So the first boxing match I'm going to do out of Worcester is um, that Paul gives me this notebook. It's all filled with copies I'm supposed to read. It says 30-second copy. It goes, at the end of the first round, there's three pages of 30-second copy. I said, Paul, I think there's a mistake here. we got the three thirties where only two are supposed to go. And he goes, just read fast. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So we're, 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 now I know we're out in the street selling 90 seconds, 30 second spots when really only you get 15 for your money, but who, yeah. who's counting, right? Um, so that was just wonderful experience for me and Mark Haynes. I could go on forever. I don't want to do that with him. But literally a guy, Mark Haynes, driving through from spending a weekend on the Cape, who was the news director of WPRO Radio in Providence, is listening around the dial because he's bored as he's driving home. He catches me on a Sunday night doing a talk show where nobody calls, but so I'm just kind of like filling by myself. Mm-hmm. Calls me the next morning. He says, that was pretty good. I listened to that last night driving through. Why don't you come on over here? And um, I want to talk to you. So I drive to Providence. I talk to him. He, he sits and looks at me. He says, I want you to be our New England correspondent. And I said, awesome. That's great. I said, I'll just go give my notice at channel at where I was. He goes, no, no, no. You don't give you notice. What I want you to do is rip the wire every morning. If there's a fire in Worcester, you read the copy. And at the end, you say, in Worcester, I'm Mike Gorman for WPRO News. And if there's a murder in Portland, Maine, I want you to read the copy and then say, in Portland, I'm Mike Gorman for WPRO News. Hmm. And, he said, but, and so after about that, about the third time, I said, but I won't be any of those places, Mark. And Mark, <laughs> this is the silence. He just stared at me. He said, we're going to go through this one more time. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> he does. At the end, he says, if you do that, I guarantee you the program director here will be so enamored by how you hustle around to get news stories, he'll offer you a job. I said, how long do I have to do this for? He said, you get the job within six weeks. I got two. No kidding. I, like, he put, I, every morning he would put me on, oh, Mike is up in Portland, Maine right now. Mike, what's going on? You know, Mike, and I'm in the next room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so very what, funny. At, at what point, I don't remember if you've talked about this. I'm sure you have somewhere along the way, but I, I don't know that I know it. At, at what point did you, was there ever a point, you know, obviously, whether it was growing up as just a fantasy or obviously once you, you know, really joined the industry and, and you were a professional broadcaster where it was, you know, I want to be the voice of the Celtics. I want to call NBA games. Or is that just something that, that sort of came to be along the way? Yeah. I didn't want to be necessarily uh, call NBA games, but what I wanted to do was uh, I wanted to do local basketball. I, I, I like being from the Northeast. I like it when somebody tells me I have an accent because I do, and I'm proud of it. Um, so I wanted to do Providence College basketball or Boston College basketball in the Big East. I wanted to do the Celtics. I didn't want to do the Nets. I didn't want to do the Knicks. I didn't want to do the Wizards. Um, and they didn't want me probably either. But um, I wanted to stay local. And what I was able to do, and then I got to go because I got somebody waving yeah. at me here. But um, I, Tommy Heinsohn and I got together to do Providence College games, not to do Celtic games. Um, and through that, we became friends. And then when Prism came to town, and opened up, they were going to do all the Celtic home games. And they hired Tom Heinsohn. They immediately went to Tommy and they said, who do you want to work with? He said, Mike Bowman, he's down in Providence. You love him, good guy. And they didn't care. I could have been anything, but they wanted Tommy so much. So if it makes you happy, Tommy, fine. So that's how I got the job. And the rest is, as the Celtics goes, that was 41 years ago. And now I get Scalabrini sitting next to me. Well, there's no one better. And I'm talking about you. No offense to Scal. So don't go anywhere. Keep, you know, keep it up so we can keep listening. And uh, Thank well, you, guys. It's always fun. Yeah, I, I guess we'll let you go somewhere with regard to this show. Thanks so much for being with us, Mike. We'll bug you again down the line. Okay, see you guys. Take care, sir. See you later, Mike. Mike Gorman, of course, uh, you know, long of, of 
calling Boston Celtics games and NBC Sports Boston and uh, going all the way back to the prism days. Like I said, uh, there's he's just the best. He's the best. We're, we're way too lucky. It's it's like, again, and, and I, I would fight back when people fill in for Mike. It's Sean Grady and Sean Grady's great. So, like, <laughs> you can't really beat the... the but it's, it's not always Grady, though. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's true. Grandy. I, you know. I mean, not to throw a shade at Mannix, but sometimes it's Mannix, and I'm sorry, Mannix, but you're not Mike Gorman. I think he would admit that, too. I'm just gonna Look, I mean... Look, Grandy is incredible. We love Grandy. Maybe Grandy will be on the show with us next week. Grandy's not Mike Gorman. It's he would have that too. Grandy would say he's not Mike, but like yeah, I think I think Sean's tremendous on TV. I think he's yeah, incredible. absolutely. I I love when he if if anybody fills in for Mike, I hope it's Sean because Sean is excellent. Agreed. He's absolutely excellent on television. Um, and him and Max on 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 radio are also just hilarious together. Mm-hmm. I. I Again, we're very, 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 very fortunate as C's fans to have those two tandems. I think mm-hmm. it's it, Mike, with all of his experience calling C's games over the years, um, adds so much depth to the broadcast. Uh, Sean, again, has had this job for quite a long time. And of course, you know, his relationship with KG back in Minnesota was really great. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, we're, we're so lucky. I mean, not every, you know, sometimes I like to listen to the other team's broadcast. Like last night, I had the heat went on for a little bit. <laughs> they were interviewing Rick Ross like courtside. He's got this like spinning medallion. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, this is this is it's this either is this or or like Abby Chin interviewing Donnie Wahlberg for the Yeah, there you go. You know what I mean? So it's like I like to listen to other people, like uh, the Orlando uh broadcast team the other night. Like and I, I feel bad because they have a much different team. But they were talking about um the all time leading scores for magic players for their first eight games. Um, and I believe, um, like, uh, Suggs is top four, I think. Mm. I think Suggs is, is, cause he had a huge game the other night. Shaq is number one by like a country mile. And they went on this like Shaq thing for a while. Penny was on the list, but also like Cole Anthony was on the list. And you're looking at, it, you're like, wow, man, this is a really, really tough franchise if like half the list is from the 90s right (laughs) they're just talking about like how great it was when Shaq and Penny were here that's like the last time they were like somewhat I mean obviously with Dwight but uh it was it was it was fun to listen to I encourage everybody to listen to every other broadcast if you can just Mm -hmm. so you understand how amazing it is to have Mike um all the time it's really great Something else I'd encourage, I'd encourage that uh, you check out what I'm going to talk about right here. Uh, call an audible. Talk a little bit about cannabis, folks, specifically Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries, INSA. That is I-N-S-A. You can see Evan there with the shirt. I'm, I'm rocking a shirt right here as well. A couple of a uh, couple of robots holding hands on top of a cake. Uh, they are the premier cause for the founders. Pat and Pete re-engineered the cannabis model. That's what they did, and from what they sell to how they sell it, while never forgetting that everyone, uh, you know, it's it's for you folks. Insta dispensaries are inviting. They're modern. Come on in if you want to learn more. Evan has done so and gotten a lot of knowledge there from the guys. The staff are authorities on the science who answer every single question from differences between flowers and concentrates to offer for insomnia, anxiety, a little recreation, just hanging out with friends, whatever it is that you're into, obviously, they can help you out. INSA has a world-class head chef, too, only hires 
uh, the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't uh, so legit, you might say. Uh, one last thing, the Insta founders, they're not VCs from Silicon Valley. They're lifelong pals from Springfield right here in our backyard. They're just a, another local team to root for. Insa in Salem, East Hampton, Boston, Delivery, and two Springfield locations, including just off I-95 beside the MGM Casino. Mentioned that we said to stop by. As Evan showed you, as I'm wearing, you can uh, get a sweet t-shirt. t-shirt for one penny. That is insa.com, I-N-S-A.com, or call 877-500-INSA. So uh, before we get out of here, uh, you know, we, we covered a lot with Mike, obviously, and I don't want to go back and rehash it all. But, uh, you know, your takeaways, because we both tweet a fair amount in and around games, obviously. Are you alarmed? Are you, I, I'm sure you're feeling better after the Miami game and, and even to some degree, the Orlando game, it just, just feels better to win in general, but do wins, you know, wins can have a way of, of masking problems as well. You know, the, that age old, like, you know, nothing cures drama, like winning obviously is, is how, how much do we need to be concerned about what's still going on? Never mind, like beneath the surface, like right there in the forefront, how much do we need to be alarmed by by what we're still seeing despite a couple recent wins um you know this this I, I think people need to relax a little bit i think um because of last season i almost i wanted this with mike and how much of like last year is hanging over this team mm-hmm. we only had mike for a, a, a finite amount of time so yeah. which was still like 45 minutes yeah, so was, i mean he, he was phenomenal. he was very generous with his time but, you know, you think about, you know, how much of last year is, is hanging over this team's head? Because last year, obviously, was such a disaster, and, and they could just never get the right footing, right? They could they would win a few games, and then all of a sudden they would tank. And then they would win a few games, and somebody would get hurt. And then 40 would get COVID. And then this, this. It was just you could never get solid footing and make actual improvements. So to start this year the same way, it's like I cannot do another full season of this BS can't do it and I understand people getting nervous right away and you know when you blow a whatever point lead to the Chicago Bulls like yeah that's alarming like that's just really bad um you can be mad about that all you want but now that you know you're only set nine games into the season you got to remember like there wasn't it's not like the preseason super long it's not like Training camp super long. They have a lot of new pieces, a lot of new uh, strategy to implement here, so it's going to take some time. I think it's encouraging that they were able to blow out a Miami team, who is the best team in the planet pretty much right now, um, without their two best players really playing either all that well or the entire game. So that's a huge thing to, to, to walk away from. We all can see the, the problems with this team. Defensively, they need to communicate better. They have to get better at, at switching if they're going to do this the entire season. They have to they have to do a better job of communicating and understanding certain things about each person. That's going to take time. Uh, defensively, rebounding. I mean, the one stat that killed me the other night was the fourth quarter against the Bulls. They have a single defensive rebound. That is legitimately the most mind-blowing stat I've heard in a long time. That can't happen in a basketball game at any level at any point. That's bad. You're going to get beat anytime that happens. So to see them out rebound Miami by one, that's I'm not gonna lie, that's a little encouraging, okay? Especially because Miami has some guys, even though they're not that might not be super big, Jimmy Butler can absolutely rebound the basketball. Um, you have Duncan Robinson who spends a lot of time on the perimeter, but he's a taller guy, can grab rebounds. PJ Tucker, obviously, that's all he's on the floor to do is collect rebounds and defend. So they have some guys, and of course, bam, you know, that get that are, are great in that area. Um, but I'll say this. 
this team still has a funky feeling to it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully over the next couple of games, as Mike alluded to, that feeling sort of goes away and they can actually get solid footing and build on things. They haven't been able to do that for over a year. And, and eventually either a, it's going to just tail spin out of control or B they'll, they'll, they'll figure something out. So I'm still optimistic. I believe in the talent on this team. Um, do you know, I don't think anybody's going to have them win the title this year. Um, but the, there can be the foundations of a title team built this year. And that's what I'm looking for. Obviously, so far we haven't seen that, but there's there's a lot more to go. It's this this marathon, not a sprint. I don't know if you're I'm not sure for you, Adam, if you're more encouraged by the last two games or it's like it's two game stretch, anything can happen in two game stretch. Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm encouraged, I guess, to I'm encouraged to some degree, but I'm not, you know, oh my god, everything's fixed. You know, I I think it's I, I think we talk we spent a lot of time in the show talking about defensive identity and We've, we've spent a lot of time on, on this show in years past harping on defensive identity. You know, that was always the key for Brad. It was, you know, when, when Boston teams were successful in, during the, the Brad Stevens regime, it was when they were a top five defensive team in the league, you know, one of the best defensive teams. And I know they jumped. I saw somebody, you know, because it's so early in the year tweet last night, something like the Celtics, you know, prior to this two game uh, success where they've, you know, limited the, the, these two teams to 78, 79 points uh, that they, they jump from like 27th in defensive efficiency up to 10th. Yeah. You know, that's, that's how quickly things can change when you have two elite defensive performances, which is obviously, you know, what the Celts have had these last couple of nights, keep it up, keep it up, get to the top five, you know, Eme, just like Brad defensive minded, you know, you talked about it. If they can be that team. I'm not worried about the offense. I'm not worried about their ability to score. I'm worried about some elements of obviously ball movement and, and the way they run their offense, but ultimately, you know, like is Tatum going to bounce back? Sure. You know, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit of a, you know, concerned right now is, is Jalen Brown's hamstring tightness just because hamstrings are something that can, you know, linger and, and play with you for a while. And, and we had just gotten Tatum back or Brown back to, full health and and was obviously looking great most as you said most consistent player on this team so far to begin this year and, and that was the case throughout a good chunk of last year as well before he went down so if, if we can get him back get him right then you know that's that's obviously huge but I'm not worried about like Tatum finding his shot and all of that it's he's a notoriously slow starter not this slow but you know it'll come around it'll come back he's not going to shoot 25 percent from three or you know sub 40 from the field or whatever the number is at this point he's going to be fine I'm not worried about that this team will score points but I'm personally like if if you were to say to me I'm looking back here you know do you want the do you want the 140 129 overtime win or do you want the 95 you know 78 win maybe it's just me growing up in you know 90s basketball and all that but like give me the latter give me the 95 78 to me that's a more compelling basketball game I, I like to see good defense you know like call me nuts you know I know it's 2021 but like you already know and everyone who listens to the show already knows how I feel about jacking up 53 pointers a game give me give me the lower scoring defensive battle you know get getting in tight getting physical inside like that's that's the basketball I enjoy and I think honestly I think it's it's how this team is going to be most successful that's if and when they buy into it that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, this team is going to win more. This team will be more successful winning games 92-78 than they will 140-132. to 
they'll be more successful. They'll, they'll, they'll win more games that way. Um, they're offensively, you know, they're not like the Atlanta Hawks or if Brooklyn has all their guys or Golden State or anything like that. They don't have the talent to, to keep the, you know, you're relying on, you know, smart chipping in 15 shoot. Like they don't have all that. You have two guys who can score 20 a game. And that's the, the most puzzling part of this whole thing. It's like Jalen and Jason are scoring 55, whatever points a game to start the season. They're one of the top duos in scoring of the entire season. Yet this team stinks. Like what's going on again, if that number comes down, that's not going to be a problem for me. The, mo- the bigger problem for me is how does this team look defensively? Do they look like they play as a team? Because they, you can generate easy points off good defense. Like that's if you play a great defensive stand and you get a deflection or you get you know a bad a bad shot, it's a twenty four second violation. Like there's so many good things that happen when you play good solid defense. And this team, you know, if they can get out because they want to play fast, right? Then we hear about that. Oh, they want to play fast. They want to put another. Well, you can do that by getting out in transition and scoring points. Jalen Brown's one of the best transition players in the league, and that is a fact. Dennis Schroeder, for as much as he might drive you crazy with certain things, he had a play last night where he beat all of Miami back in transition with the ball, and it was like it, it, it was like I went into the court, all of a sudden he's down to the, in the lamp. It was like see you bye. Like they have certain like Neesmith, another example. They have certain guys that when they play well on the defensive end, they can translate that into easy offensive points just by playing harder, and that's where I think they need to settle. And you know, we'll see how this goes. Long way to go. Um, I tweeted last night kind of like tongue-in-cheek. Like, Everybody feeling better now? Because it's it, the the discourse has been so toxic over the first couple of games. It's like it's mm-hmm. killing me. I understand the, the need for the – but like 82-game season. Like there's going to be another seven-game stretch this season. I guarantee you that you will want to pull your hair out. You will say the same stuff that you said already this season. So just understand this is a, not only a game of runs, a season of runs. And this yeah. team can take some time. They're not going to win a title. No, but they can, again, they can lay the foundation for a title this year. And, th- and then, you know, how, how they build from that, we'll see. But I, I, before we wrap up, you know, more, more minutes for Neesmith's always going to be a good thing. I, I defended Josh Richardson and I've been clowned for it in my mentions, I'm sure already. Um, I, I, I like him because he plays defense, but I mean, if Neesmith's going to hit shots and play with more energy like that, then I, then I will. To seed my Richardson should play more than Neesmith take. I will do that. No question. Celts will wrap up the three-game trip, try and sweep it in Dallas, uh, 8.30 tomorrow night as we sit here right now. So, again, that's Saturday night. And uh, then a little bit of a break to collect themselves and and just sort of examine everything, hopefully, that has gone right during that trip because they will return home Celtics Wednesday to play the Raptors again. That's a uh, 7.30 game. Then you got a Friday game. We'll probably come at you with another pod on Thursday in between. So just a couple more games before we check back in with you and see what's going on in the wide world of Celtics. But uh, at least this latest sample, these last couple of games, pretty good. Hopefully they keep it up. Busy stretch coming up. The good thing is, you know, it's it's not necessarily juggernauts. You know, again, in Dallas, home against Toronto and Milwaukee, in Cleveland for a pair, you know, looking ahead to, about a week from now and then uh, in Atlanta for, you know, cap another three game trip and then back home again for, uh, for four at that point. So we'll see. It'll be interesting for sure. We want to thank again, the legend Mike Gorman for joining us. A lot of great stuff. Go back, listen to it. If, if you missed any chunk of it and uh, we'll, we'll bug him again, have him on another couple months because again, he's, he's just the best. So thanks to Evan Valenti. I'm Adam Kaufman. Great review, subscribe, all that good stuff here with uh, wherever you're finding Celtics beat. We appreciate you. 
We'll do it again next week. Enjoy the weekend. Hope everyone had a great Halloween and uh, have fun with football. We'll see you.